Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, a, a, a certain little corner of the public discourse this week, on and offline, was devoted to um, a rather arcane question, you might say, um, a question about sentience and whether a computer program is alive. No kidding. No. As a, an employee of Google, part of the Google thing that deals with language projects, he had been in uh, engaged in a conversation with a language program called Lambda, which had been taught billions of words. I don't know if they're billions of words, but it had been taught, been trained on billions of examples of English words in usage, like I'm trying to do right now. And he came away from those conversations. I don't know if he was convinced or just considering the idea that Lambda, this uh, language program, was sentient, that is to say, a, a living being with consciousness of itself, among other things. It talked like it. But the Google people said, uh-uh, that's, that's, not, that's not happening. Not on our watch. Uh, it, it just seems strange to me that at a time when we seem to be killing the habitats of sentient beings, manatees, dolphins, great apes, creatures that we as humans have um, deigned to consider being sentient, even though they don't use language the way we do, which basically just means we don't understand the way they communicate. But somehow that turns out to be a critique of, a critique of them. So um, we, have, we have accorded them the privilege of being regarded by us as sentient, almost as sentient as we are. So we're killing off their habitats, which means in the long run killing them off. And then uh, with the other hand, if you'll pardon the introduction of the hand at this point in the conversation, uh, we're seeking to create or find sentience in our creations inside the computer where habitat isn't necessary. Hello, welcome to the show. Play for 
deals of cards to find the answers. The sacred geometry of chance. The hidden law of a probable outcome. The numbers need a dance. I know that the spades are the swords of a soldier. I know that the clubs are weapons of war I know that diamonds mean money for this art But that's not the shape of my heart He may play the jack of diamonds He may lay the queen of spades He may conceal a king in his hand While the memory of it fades I know that the spades are the swords of soldiers I know that the clubs are weapons of war I know that diamonds mean money for this art not the shape of my heart That's not the shape The shape of my Santa Monica, California. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of Le Show. Let's um, let's go into space, metaphorically speaking. SpaceX, for one thing, has uh, reportedly reacted 
to an open letter requesting accountability for its owner, Elon Musk, noted free speech advocate, by uh, firing those who raised the issue to begin with. The alleged dismissals, according to the Register, the British Tech Journal, come just two two days after an open letter to uh, SpaceX's president and chief operating officer, Gwynne Shotwell. That letter began circulating in a SpaceX Teams channel. You have a Teams channel? I don't. But I don't have a team. The missive from employees said Musk's recent actions have been a source of distraction and embarrassment for SpaceX staff. Hard. Yeah, I know. Hard to know. The letter asked for the company to swiftly and explicitly separate itself from Musk's personal brand, hold all leadership accountable for their actions, and ask that SpaceX clearly define what behaviors it considers unacceptable. The authors also said the company failed to apply its stated diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, your DEI, resulting in a workplace culture that remains firmly rooted in the status quo. That's a quote. We care deeply, says the letter, about SpaceX's mission to make humanity multiplanetary. You can stop right there. But more importantly, they don't stop. We care about each other. A response reportedly written by Shotwell makes SpaceX's position on the employee requests explicitly clear. You're gone. In an email from Shotwell to SpaceX employees obtained by the New York Times, the uh, SpaceX president said a number of employees had been terminated. It's unclear how many. The letter reportedly said that SpaceX work is too critical and there's too much of it. Activism of this kind is something SpaceX has, quote, no need for. The letter solicitations and general process made employees feel uncomfortable, intimidated, and bullied, and or angry because the letter pressured them to sign onto something that did not reflect their views. Shotwell's letter continued. Oh, we're not going to get to Mars this year. And we're not even going to get to the moon, maybe. Over at NASA... The Office of Inspector General published its report on the agency's management of a second mobile launch tower for the Space Launch System Mega Moon rocket. I think the mega applies to the rocket, not the moon. I think we still only have one moon. The forecast isn't looking good. Right now, the OIG, the Office of Inspector General, anticipates that the the project will cost more than twice what was originally budgeted, it's like an Olympic Games. And will be completed roughly two and a half years behind schedule. Ditto. Why don't we hold the Olympics on the moon? No neighborhoods to destroy up there. Yet. In order to launch SLS, the Space Launch System, the that's the giant moon rocket NASA has been developing since 2011, the agency needs the ground infrastructure to support it. The mobile launcher consists of a ground platform that can withstand the blast from the rocket's engines as it takes off. The launch tower and its many arms, what is it, Ganesh, provide the rocket with all manner of necessary launch components, including power, fuel, remote monitoring, and communication with mission control. The first mobile launch tower for SLS, which is currently on the pad, awaiting its... I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. Wet dress rehearsal 
I've had a few of those, was completed in 2010. Three years ago, NASA awarded Bechtel a um, third of a billion dollar contract to build the second launch tower for later, larger iterations of the rocket. Bechtel originally planned to complete construction on the tower by March of next year. So far, the construction has not begun. Better hurry, guys. March isn't March isn't being delayed. The tower is getting to be late, over budget, and too heavy. The Inspector General reporter concluded that Bechtel's poor performance caused 70% of the cost overruns and one and a half years of project delays. The project had already cost NASA almost half a billion by March of this year. It's expected to cost almost a billion, $960 million, when all is said and done. Delivery, says the Inspector General report, won't be until October 2025 at the earliest, which would delay flights. (laughs) Not frights. We got plenty of those. The culprits, according to the IG, underestimating the scope of the project, staff retention issues, and my favorite, design flaws. Bechtel came back with a statement challenging the finding that its poor performance was to blame. Its argument, the Inspector General report, ignored the impacts of the pandemic and unexpected design changes. Boys, boys, and girls, play nice, won't you? We may not be a multiplanetary species quite yet, ladies and gentlemen. And now... News of the Godly. Francis the Talking Pope has asked for forgiveness from a group of United Kingdom and Irish sex abuse survivors during what has been described as an emotional meeting in the Vatican's Apostolic Palace. It's like the Hollywood Palace, but still open. The group who met with Francis um, a few days ago attended St. Peter Claver College in Murfield, West Yorkshire, in the UK, where widespread sexual abuse is detailed to have occurred, according to the tablet, during the 1960s and 70s. The college was a junior seminary, a secondary-level boarding school for boys who had expressed an interest in the priesthood. And they ran into members of the priesthood who expressed an interest in boys, apparently. It's run by the Verona Fathers, an Italian religious order known as the Comboni Missionaries. Not the Zamboni missionaries. They're on ice. The meeting with with Francis is a landmark moment for the group in their years-long struggle to have their suffering recognized by the Comboni order. They, the Comboni order, have continually refused to meet with the survivors or officially acknowledge that abuse took place. The uh, meeting a few days ago is the first one between this pope and a group of UK and Irish abuse victims. Spokes person for the Comboni Survivors Group said the Pope was visibly shaken and upset by what he heard during the discussions, and on two occasions he asked for forgiveness for what had taken place. He asked for forgiveness for himself and for the Church, and to me that was genuine, according to the spokesman for the Survivors Group. He added the Pope would said he would personally ring the leader of the Comboni Order, instruct him then to meet the survivors, and that any meeting should take place without lawyers present. What is he, Shakespeare? Now, the Pope 
met with uh, the group in the Apostolic Palace, as I say. That's where he normally receives heads of state. That suggests a concern about the lack of pastoral care the group has been shown by the church, according to the tablet. Uh, the Pope has been made aware of how the Comboni order has responded or not responded to the group. Said one of the survivors, I came out of the meeting with a great deal of hope. I've always struggled to find hope after what happened to us as children, but I came out hopeful that change is going to happen. The former students of the seminary provided extensive evidence about the sexual and spiritual abuse that took place in Murfield, have also spoken about the devastating long-term toll it has had on their lives. The last two words that Pope Francis said to me as he shook my hand, that member said, was, quote, Take communion. He didn't say, Take communion, please. Otherwise, he'd have been meeting in the stand up palace. And Deadline Rome, one of the Pope's proposed new cardinals, the retired Bishop of Ghent in Belgium, has bowed out of accepting the honor over his insufficient response to cases of clergy sexual abuse, according to the Belgian Bishops' Conference. Ghent Bishop Luc van Luy had asked Francis for permission to decline the order in order, quote, to not harm victims again, unquote. Francis accepted the request. He named van Luy as one of 21 prelates to become a new prince of the church, uh, last August. At uh, 80, Van Luy is too old to participate in a future conclave to elect the next pope, but he was one of five men named as cardinals in recognition of their lifetime of service to the church. The Belgian Bishops' Conference said the announcement he would be made a cardinal had generated a lot of positive reaction, but also criticism of the fact that he didn't always react with sufficient energy as Bishop of Ghent against abuse in his pastoral work, unquote. Conference said it appreciated Van Luy's decision to decline the honor, reiterated its commitment to fighting abuse in the church, and placing the victim's interests first. The Belgian Catholic Church, according to the Associated Press, has had a wretched record with abuse and cover-up. In 2010, the Belgian Church acknowledged more than 500 cases of abuse, dating from the 1950s, after it commissioned a report that found at least 13 victims committed suicide. That same year, police raided church offices, and the Archbishop of Bruges resigned after admitting he had sexually abused his nephew for years while a priest and bishop. The Bruges scandal also tar tarnished the then-head of the Belgian church, Cardinal Godfried Daniels, who was recorded urging the bishop's victim to stay quiet. The Salesian of Don Bosco Religious Order, which specializes in running schools, mm -hmm, also has a poor abuse record with at least 45 priests in the United States alone named on its list of credibly accused priests. The Belgian Salesians were involved in a scandal in which one of their priests was sent to the Central African Republic to run the Vatican's Caritas Charity after he was convicted of abuse by a Ghent court. Those are the scariest courts, of course. 
News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. You may have, as I was been watching the January 6th committee hearing hearings this week, on Thursday, one of the witnesses was a um, introduced repeatedly and described repeatedly as a distinguished conservative legal authority scholar. The one thing that wasn't remarked upon in all the coverage that I saw at the time and afterwards was uh, that witness's penchant for speaking even more slowly than I am right now. It seemed just a bit reminiscent of this. Tell us your name, please. Harlow P. Whitcomb. And where are you from? From Glens Falls. New York. New York. And what do you do? I am the president and recording secretary. Secretary of uh, the S T O A. What does that stand the for? Slow talkers of America. We believe in speaking slowly in forming your words thoughts our ideas and opinions clearly before speaking we speak we are here in New York City. In the city of New York. Attending a convention. Our annual convention. Membership convention. Convention. All of our members, all 200 members, and 50 members, seven members, are here speaking talking slowly, slowly, so that you'll never be misunderstood, as opposed to the members of the F. T-O-A. T-O-A. O-A. A. The fast. Talkers of America. Talkers. Of America. Of America. America. Our credo. Is to speak slowly. Goes. Something like, like this. Would you lower the curtain, please? We'd be a nervous wreck. 
Bob and Ray. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? This counts as good news in the warming world. Polar bears, long seen as a symbol of global warming's damaging impact on the natural world, they're uh, they're learning a new trick. Scientists say several hundred polar bears in southeast Greenland have now adapted their hunting habits. Normally, they rely on Arctic sea ice to hunt seals. They are now hunting using freshwater platforms. Researchers found the animals are using ice that breaks off glaciers. This is according to the BBC. They survive in fjords that are sea ice free more than eight months of the year because they have access to glacier freshwater ice, says the study's lead author. This uh, research team based at the University of Washington opens up the possibility that pockets of the species. Didn't know polar bears had pockets, but there you go. Some of the species might survive despite rising temperatures. One of the big questions is where in the Arctic will polar bears be able to hang on, said the head of the study. I think that bears in a place like this can teach us a lot about where those places might be. The research team spent two years interviewing Inuit hunters. No, they are hunters who are Inuits. They're not people who hunt, uh, who shared their ecological knowledge of the area. Traveling to the remote region using helicopters. Okay, then. Those are some modern Inuits. They tagged the bears with satellite tracking devices and collected genetic samples. Co-author of the study said they observed the most genetically isolated populations of polar bears anywhere on the planet. We know this population has been living separately from other polar bear populations for at least several hundred years. They're not thriving. They reproduce more slowly and are smaller in size. It's uh, not possible to know yet whether they're surviving because of genetic adaptations or a different response to a very different climate and habitat. There's said to be roughly 26,000 polar bears remaining in the world. They are in trouble, said the co-author. It's clear that if we can't slow the rate of global warming, the polar bears are on a trajectory to become extinct. The more we can learn about this remarkable species, she says, the better able we will be to help them survive the next 50 to 100 years. Research was published in the journal Science. Then, of course, the uh, computer polar bears can take over. Because they'll be smarter. Man. 
From Santa Monica, this is Le Show, and now, news of our friend, the Atom. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Save, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, save, too safe to meet. Save, save, too safe to meet. Here's one I don't think any of us saw coming. The, um... Gas crisis in Europe, thanks to uh, Western sanctions against Russia for the uh, invasion of Ukraine, is uh, being affected and is affecting France's nuclear production of electricity. The cost of electricity in France jumped this week. Depressed nuclear output squeezes the market. That's what Bloomberg says. France's nuclear reactors are operating at less than half their full capacity. This week, they produce the least electricity at this time of year since at least 2006. The country, where warm weather is already making it tougher to cool the fleet of reactors, poor dears, is importing power from neighboring countries like the UK. Historically, it's been the reverse. UK has imported power from France. Electricity generation from state-run Electricité de France, EDF, that's Europe's largest producer of nuclear energy, that's struggling under lengthy maintenance of its aging fleet. Who knew? Leave them around long enough and they they need fixing. It risks heightening the continent's dependence on gas which, as we know, is in short supply because of the thing. The company, French Electricité de France, may now need to import power from neighbors this winter, straining wider European supply and burdening consumers with higher costs. Now, these problems result in lower costs. You notice that? Nutty. Guess that it's not as reliable as we thought. Commercial operation of a, a nuclear power plant unit it's been under construction in Finland for nearly 17 years is going to be delayed for another three months due to foreign material issues observed in the turbine's steam reheater. That's what the plant owner TVO reported this week. Setback, just the uh, longest in a long list 
of Project Interruptions reports PowerMag.com. It's a um, European pressurized water reactor that uses technology based on plants commissioned in France and Germany. The contract for the thing, it's called OL3, was um, ordered, the contract was signed with uh, Arriva and Siemens in December of 2003. Were you alive then? However, the plant's construction license was not not issued until nearly 14 months later. Construction officially began on August of 2005. The expectation was OL3 would deliver power to the grid by 2009. That's a while ago. Delays ensued nearly from the beginning of the project. Among the main reasons for delay noted in a uh, presentation given by the Director General of Finland's Radiation and Nuclear Security Authorities in 2010 were too ambitious original schedule for a plant that is the first of its kind and larger than any such plant built earlier, inadequate completion of design and engineering work prior to the starting of construction, shortage of experienced designers, lack of experience of the parties in managing a large construction project, and worldwide shortage of qualified equipment manufacturers. Twelve years after those findings were issued, the work continues. And the now TVO, the uh, would-be operator of the plant, reported foreign material detached from the steam guide plates was found in the turbine's steam reheater in May of this year. Requires inspection and repair work lasting at least until the end of July. The plant unit's test production program and electricity production can only be continued after the completion of this repair work. Soldier on, you, knew, you guys. They don't know where the finish line <laughs> will be. The agency uh, in charge of Canada's nuclear waste management, the NWMO, is confident in the suitability of both potential sites under construction to host a deep geological repository to store the country's used nuclear fuel. The newly published confidence, confidence in safety reports based on years of research and fieldwork summarize the uh, organization's understanding of the two possible sites. Both were found to share common features that support the overall safety of the project, stable seismically quiet settings, rock formations of the necessary depth, breadth, and volume, to isolate the repository, which will be built a third of the mi- a third of a mile underground, neither site has minerals, salt, or gas exploitable resources within the rock, reducing the risk of human intrusion into the repository. In the you know future, those millions of well thousands of years that will be necessary to keep the waste safe. Once the final site selection has been made, safety will be confirmed through a rigorous regulatory review of the repository design and safety case. That process is expected to take approximately 10 years to complete. So we'll be um, we'll be watching that waste in its temporary locations for another decade or so. This just um, an insight into that regulatory agency the agency 
in charge of Canada's nuclear waste, says an alleged cyber criminal posing as an indigenous chief managed to cheat the organization into paying the person almost $300,000. Canadian. The uh, funds were the second of two payments totaling 600000 from the Nuclear Waste Management Organization to uh, a Chippewa tribe, First Nation, part of a controversial, controversial community development effort tied to finding a host site for the $23 billion tomb to seal Canada's stockpile of used nuclear fuel for millennia. We were the victim of fraudulent cyber activity when a payment was diverted from the intended uh, recipient, according to the media relations manager for the organization. Thankfully, we were able to recover most of the funds. The agency has opened an internal investigation and reported the crime to the Mounties who are not investigating. And uh, back to France, concerns have been raised over the reactors at uh, EDF, that's the French nuclear company. Uh, They're building a nuclear power station in Somerset in England after cracks were detected in some of the company's reactors in France. Ah, the French. The new report has now warned that cracks could cause nuclear accidents and adds that uh, the plant at Hinkley Point C in England could face similar challenges. Cracks first discovered in October of last year in an emergency cooling circuit of a reactor at the Civaux power plant in France. Cracks have since been discovered in three other reactors, actually four, The report produced by energy transition experts Global Chance says other plants, including Hinkley Point C in England, should be examined in case they will be similarly affected. Co-author of the report emphasized the potential impact of the cracks. If the defects detected on the welds evolve, they can cause a breach in the main reactor cooling system. He said the risk is therefore to generate a nuclear accident situation. This is from a new civil engineer. Last month, after months of speculation, the French company EDF finally confirmed there will be a year-long delay and $3 billion, sorry, $3 billion pound cost increase to the Hinckley Project. They should be running the Olympics. The start date for the Unit 1 reactor at the Somerset Power Station will be pushed back to June 2027 due to the impact of the pandemic time needed to adapt the reactor design for UK regulations and excess costs for marine works. I guess they're going to build part of it in the water. One analyst said that considering the delays EDF has experienced in France with the uh, previously mentioned Flamanville project, it's not really a surprise to see Hinkley delayed. Clean, cheap, safe, reliable, new, too reliable to meter, our friend the Adam. So, ladies and gentlemen, the wife of the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, Virginia Ginny Thomas, has been in the news lately. She has been, uh, she's a rabid, well, an active conservative, let's put it that way, um, involved in a lot of conservative causes. 
Now the uh, January 6th committee says it's going to invite her to be interviewed. Newly obtained email correspondence between her and the uh, conservative lawyer John Eastman, who was pushing the effort to reverse the results of the 2020 presidential election. She was uh, communicating, as I say, with Eastman, was the wife of Clarence Thomas. People involved in the investigation say newly obtained email correspondence between her and Eastman have revealed that her efforts to overturn the 2020 election were more extensive than previously known. Jenny Thomas said in an interview, she looks forward to talking to the committee. As to her relationship with her husband, the Supreme Court Justice, Jenny Thomas says they stay in their separate lanes. She calls him her best friend. Skipping down the streets of the capital city, plugging her AC into sleepy DC, sweetly recommending swapping out precedents, beaming her sunshine for a few to see. Jenny, Jenny, no one can say no to her smile. Just a pinch of her magic will convince you of her skinny. No laws can't shut down her style. Making the case to her best friend Just might help the big court to bend. You never know where she'll pop up next In an email, a tweet, or a personal text. Jimmy Jenny, an outsider who's way inside. So sincere, but so very spinny. Don't forget the power of the bride. Jenny, Jenny, the committee is about to bring her out. Making way for a new constitution. She's a Thomas who never has a doubt. sensation the songs that she sang would never miss my cousin was my inspiration that's how I got like this I got a cousin in Milwaukee she's got a voice so squawky and though she's tall and kind of gawky oh how she gets the men singing isn't operatic it's got a lot of static but makes your heart get acrobatic nine times out of ten when she sings hot you can't be solemn it sends the shivers up and down your spinal column when she sings blue the men shout what stuff 
that baby is hot stuff. So if you like the way I sing songs, if you think that I'm a wow, you can thank my squawky cousin from Milwaukee. Up and down your spinal column. When she sings blue, the men shout, "What stuff!" That baby is hot stuff. So if you like the way I sing songs, if you think that I'm a wow, you can thank my squawky cousin from Milwaukee. Now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Deadline Haddonfield, New Jersey, the borough, it's a borough, has formally apologized after a racial incident in which a white baseball player made monkey noises at a black pitcher for an opposing team, West Deptford, during a high school game. Following the incident May 10th, Haddonfield... Borough investigated, confirmed, and took appropriate remedial action, according to the New Jersey State Interscholastic Association. In addition to a formal apology to West Deptford, meetings were held with every athletic program within the Haddonfield Memorial High School District to emphasize sportsmanship. Deadline Beijing, the mayor of a northeastern Chinese city on the North Korean border that has been under lockdown for more than 50 days, has apologized for failures in his administration's work, comes within widespread but often disguised dissatisfaction over the government's heavy-handed approach to handling the pandemic, according to the AP. Bandong Mayor Hao Jinjun gave no specifics, but said government work and basic services had been, quote, unsatisfactory, unquote, for which he offered his apologies, according to a statement issued by the city government. Highly unusual, as you probably know, for a ranking Communist Party official to publicly concede errors, particularly regarding the hardline zero-COVID policy. Dan Dong has seen one of the strictest lockdowns in China, despite reporting only a handful of cases. That's the AP's version of it, maybe. Because of the lockdowns, just a handful of cases. Who knows? San Diego Repertory Theater has admitted errors and offered a sincere apology in response to allegations of racism and misogyny at the theater by the cast of the recent show, The Great Con. Days after the rep announced last week a financial crisis is forcing a temporary closure, cast and crew members of the recently closed production issued an open letter on Instagram alleging, alleging racism and misogyny. It took more than COVID to close these doors for now, said the letter. 
From poor financial decisions to rampant racism, misogyny, mismanagement, predatory efforts to take advantage of newly unionized BIPOC creatives, discrimination and disrespect, racial profiling, physical intimidation, ill care following injury, and the constant refusal to acknowledge that you were and are the root of the problem at hand, we see only the tip of the iceberg, they said. Then on last Sunday, the Rep's artistic director, Sam Woodhouse, read a prepared statement. First of all, we're very proud of the production. I can say we remain committed to our mission to become a fully inclusive, equitable, anti-racist, multicultural organization. On Wednesday, after a local TV station published its report on the allegations, the Rep emailed an additional statement from the artistic director, Sam Woodhouse. We're thankful for the bravery of those who voiced their concerns and offered honest feedback. We're regretful that their willingness to engage with us on issues required additional emotional labor on their part, especially recognizing that much of this learning occurred at the expense of BIPOC artists. To all of those who were affected during the making of the great con, we offer our sincere apology, unquote. Sam Woodhouse, second time around. Deadline Anaheim after... Approving a series of reforms meant to address sexual abuse in their denomination, Southern Baptists at their national meeting this week approved a resolution apologizing to abuse survivors and asking for forgiveness. What are they, Catholics? They also called on U.S. state legislatures to create laws that make pastoral sexual misconduct a specific crime and punish those who pray, with an E, on church members. An Alabama pastor, Griffin Gulledge, told the more than 8,100 local church delegates, known as messengers, that many states have laws forbidding doctors to have sex with their patients or therapists with their clients. It should be illegal for pastors to prey upon their own uh, congregations. This convention should have no problem saying so. The resolution session marked the end of a tumultuous year in which messengers sent a clear signal that they wanted to address the issue of abuse after years of delay and resistance by leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention. The uh, resolution of lament and repentance for the mishandling of sexual abuse stated that Southern Baptists, quote, publicly apologize to and ask forbid- forgiveness from survivors of sexual abuse for our failure to care well for survivors, for our failure to hold perpetrators of sexual abuse adequately accountable, for our institutional responses which have prioritized the reputation of our institutions over protection and justice for survivors, and for the unspeakable harm this failure has caused to survivors through both our action and inaction. Unquote. The Southern Baptist Convention. Now there's a convention. Dateline Hillsboro, North Carolina, legendary civil rights leader Bayard Rustin and three other men who were sentenced to work on a chain gang in North Carolina after they launched the first of the Freedom Rides to challenge Jim Crow laws had their convictions posthumously convicted this week, more than seven decades later. We failed these men, said Superior Court Judge Alan Badur, who presided over the special session. He at one point paused to gather himself after becoming emotional. We failed their cause. We failed to deliver justice in our community. And for that, said the judge, I apologize. So we're doing this today to right a wrong in public and on the record. 
This happened in the same second-story courtroom in the historic courthouse where the men were initially sentenced. Vocalist Zach Tell of the long-running Swedish rap metal combo Clawfinger has apologized for spitting on a photographer during the band's recent concert in the Czech Republic. The Roxy Club in Prague, to be specific, was Clawfinger's first appearance in the country in four years, said the uh, vocalist Zach. I have a tendency to spit uh, on stage, and sometimes even on myself. For obvious reasons, I try to avoid spitting on band members or the audience, but this time I misfired and hit a photographer right on the cheek. I felt so embarrassed, and I quickly swooped down to wipe her cheek, say I was sorry, and give her a beer to make up for my mistake. He later saw the photograph she took and sent her a message, told her I was sorry once again, and said, I would love to post her photos on our social medias. So one final time, please accept my sincerest apologies, and thank you for the amazing photos. Unquote. And Deadline Boston, the local 12 plumbers and gas fitters union, is apologizing for a text message about Juneteenth that was sent to 2,000 members. A group of Massachusetts representatives obtained the text. The federal Juneteenth holiday, June 19th, falls on a Sunday this year, and it's Melon Monday, June 20th, an optional holiday for local 12 members, said the message. Local 12's business manager, Tim Fandale, has since issued a public apology. The text no way, in no way reflects the values of this organization. The text was offensive, hurtful, and wrong, regardless of alleged technical or autocorrect issues within the third-party platform. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. gentlemen just finishing up the show with this piece of news there's a new pollutant in our world it's what happens when uh, microplastics in the ocean mix with tar in the ocean to become plastitar more than two years after researchers stumbled across it it's been captured in new research that describes it as an an unassessed threat for coastal environments. Welcome, Plastitar, to our list of threats. Bad to have you with us. That's it for this week's edition of the show. Next week, same time, same station. Another one. Radio station, that is. Or at a time of your choosing on your audio device of choice. And it'll be just like Jenny Thomas testifying... If you'd agree to join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show to Poe, to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address to reach me. I'm the one who opens them. 
to get uh, Cars I Talk t-shirts or to see the playlist of this show. And, and there's so much more. All at harryshare.com. Stuff to read, stuff to watch, stuff to turn off. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Share. Show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from Southern California.